first section of Parshas Vayishlach deals with Yaakov's preparation for his upcoming encounter with Esav and his conduct during that encounter. There's a famous Midrash that says that Chachamim, certain Chacham, before he traveled to Rome, he used to study the Parsha, apparently in order to learn lessons for how to conduct himself when dealing with Rome. As we've discussed in the past, the Torah identifies Edom with Esav. Edom was a nation that was an enemy of Klai Yisrael, a neighbor, an enemy of Klai Yisrael during the, the period of the Chumash and during the period of the Bayis Rishon. Rome was an enemy of Klai Yisrael uh, 500, 1,000 years later. It's not, clear, it's, it's, it's not clear why anyone assumes that Rome is Edom, but Chazal constantly assume that Rome is Edom, and Rishonim discuss it, Ramban, Ibn Ezra, where Chazal got that from, why they assume that, but so apparently the, the Midrash, Midrash Rabbah, Bracious Rabbah, is telling us that a certain Chacham, Ramban was Gareish Rabbiyanai, when he would uh, when he would go to, to Rome, Malchusa, when he would go to the, the kingdom, to the capital, to Rome, he would study the Parsha to learn how to deal, to learn the lessons of the Torah for how to deal with Esav, Edom, Rome. And one of the lessons he learned was that toward the end of the, toward the, end of the narrative, Esav, who was being friendly at that point, said, let me give you some of my men, let, let, let me give you an escort. And Yaakov, very diplomatically, very graciously, said, no, I don't need that. Uh, why, why, why do you need to do that? He said, he told, uh, he told, he told Esav, why do I deserve such a thing? He didn't want Esau's escort. So he used to learn not to accept a Roman escort. Once he neglected to study the Parsha, and he, and he made the mistake, he accepted the escort. It caused him a lot of trouble. It doesn't explain exactly what happened, but it caused him a lot of trouble. He had to sell his horse to, to pay off the Roman, to somehow get rid of this, uh, this troublemaker from him. So that's what the Midrash tells us. Ramban, Ramban brings his Midrash. Ramban says that this, uh, that, that, that this chapter, Chazal understood that this is the, the Parsha of Golis. The Ramban, he brings the Midrash and he says that, that the, it was a Kabbalah biyadam in Chazal that Zu Parsha's Golis. This is the, the Torah's instructions for how we should conduct ourselves in Golis. When he went to Rome, to the court of the Malchai Adam, to the Roman emperors, the Roman kings, Isketzibur, Shtadlanus, he was engaged in lobbying on behalf of Klai Israel. He would learn from the Atzas Hazakin Achacham to the, our, 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 our forefather Yaakov. And because, again, this is a famous idea of the Ramban. He develops this at length throughout Bereshis, Masa of Simon Labanim, that everything in Bereshis is not just stories. They're, they're, these are things that have lessons and these are portents, a foreshadowing of things that would happen to Kal Yisrael throughout the generations. And therefore, the Ramban says that this is the, this is the lesson that, 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 that they used to learn. They should have learned from the from Yaakov, and once he didn't, and, it, uh, and, and, and it w- w- once, once he neglected that lesson, and it, indeed it did, not, it did not end well. It's interesting, though, one thing I always find fascinating about these types of approaches to, to the Chumash, obviously the, the Torah writes all these things down, the Torah and the Nevi'im, so we should learn lessons from it, and yet I always find it fascinating, Midrashim and even Rishonim, not uncommonly claim, they assert, that, that the great figures in Tanakh, the Avos and the great Tzadikim, actually did certain things wrong, made certain mistakes. So, we, on the one hand, we're supposed to learn from them, on the other hand, we, we're, we're also apparently in the position to judge them and say, this was wrong, this we shouldn't do, this is what he did, we should do the opposite, we shouldn't do what he did. Chazal do it, but sometimes we shouldn't do it as well. We, we've discussed in the past, the Parshas Lech Lecha and Vayera, some of the Rishonim criticize Avram, when he went down to Mitzrayim and hiding, in hiding, uh, hiding Sarah, the Ramban, and the way they treated Hagar, the, a number of Rishonim are critical of Avram and Sarah. So uh, on the one hand, we're supposed to learn from, uh, from the Masha of Asim Labanim, we're supposed to learn from the great uh, acts of, the, of, of our great, the great Tzadikim, our great ancestors. On the other hand, we can also sometimes judge and find them wanting and say that they, this we think is wrong, they should not have done this. The question is, who's we, right? The question is, who's the we? So everyone agrees that Chazal can do it, 
when we show him do it, it's more controversial. As a matter of fact, I mentioned that the Ramban and the Radak and the Tur and the various we show him criticize Avram and Sarah. There's, there's a uh, there's a Ramban, a very powerful Ramban, and it's not just Ramban; it's the Radak and the Tur as well, who say that the, the that, that that Avram and Sarah mistreated Yishmael and Hagar. They mistreated Hagar in Parshas Lech Lecha, where they where they abused her and they chased her away. That, uh, that 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 was that that was not right. There was a violation of Benadim Lechavero, and the Ramban says we suffer from Yishmael at Hayamazeb because of the uh, because of the consequence of the way they they behaved improperly toward toward Hagar. I believe there are there are some more traditional thinkers, some Achronim, who, who who cannot understand how the Ramban could have said that. How can you accuse of Ramavinu without a source from Chazal? And as a matter of fact, in some of the lists in the Midrashim of the Tendis Yonos, they count sending, sending Hagar away. The, the truth is that there, there are actually two parashiyas of Hagar. There's one in parashas Lechlecha and one in parashas Vayera. The first time, before Yishmael is born, when Hagar becomes pregnant, Sarah tells Avram, Hamasi Alecha, that the, you're, letting, you're letting Hagar lord it over me, and Avram says... Do what you want, and it says, but now Sarai, Sarah oppressed her, and she ran away, and the Malach told her to come back. That's a story in Parshish Lech Lecha. Go back, and you'll have a son, and, and, and he'll, be, uh, he'll have a great destiny. In Parshish Vayera is when, after Yitzchak is born, and Sarah sees that, this is what we lay in Rosh Hashanah, that, 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 uh, Sarah, that Sarah sees that Yishmael is Mitzachek, and she says, Garish Asamazos, and Avram doesn't want to. Vayera Davar Ben Avram. Hashem says, "Kol shetomrei lachasarah shma bekola." Ki begitzli kar lachasarah. So he chases Agur and Yishmael away. He expels them. They almost Yishmael almost dies. Malach saves them. The story in Parshas Lechlecha, you can reasonably say Avram and Sarai were wrong. The story in Parshas Vayera, it's much harder to say that because Hashem seems to have uh, endorsed what Sarah said. Nevertheless, the tour seems to indicate that there was some problem with what they did in that parish as well. But certainly, the story in Lech Lecha, which is before Yishmael was born, the way Avram, Avram and Sarai behaved toward Hagar, the Ramban is quite critical. The Ramban is quite critical, as well as some of the other Rishonim. And again, some some Achronim or Moshe, I think, or Moshe Feinstein and others have said, "How can you possibly uh, criticize?" Avram and Sarai, if you don't have support from a midrash for this, the again, some of these things are counted in the, in the Ten Nisyonis. I don't remember if that story or if the Vayera story is counted. Certainly the going down to Mitzrayim is listed, I think, in Perkadu Beliezer and some of the lists as one of Avram's Ten Nisyonis. Hashem said, go to Eretz Canaan and I'll make, I'll make you great. And instead there's a famine and he has to flee the land. The midrash says it was a great Nisayon that he passed, but the Ramban says it was a great chait that, that he did. He should have had Bitachan and stayed in Eretz Canaan. He shouldn't have endangered Sarai. Okay, so the, that, that's the beauty of the Torah. People can look at the same story, Midrashim and Rishonim, and come to very different conclusions. The question is, who is we? Can we do the same thing? And this is obviously, this is certainly an active uh, area of controversy in, um, among modern Parshanim. Some people, some, some people in the less traditional world feel that it's, that it's their right to learn Pshat as well, just like the Rishonim could come up with a new Pshatim and criticize Avram and Sarah. We can do the same thing. Other more traditional sources have a hard enough time with the Rishonim do it, and certainly don't like it when uh, contemporary people do it. Okay, so that's a great debate. But in any event, what I want to discuss now in our Shir on Vayishlach, there are several cases, or several, even though, we're supposed, even though this is the Pasha of Golos, we're supposed to learn lessons from the way Yaakov prepared himself and conducted himself in his confrontation with Esav, nevertheless, there are several areas where the Midrashim and the Rishonim are actually somewhat critical and judgmental of the way Yaakov behaved. The first is a midrash, also a famous midrash. Midrash says, Tanchuma, precious Rabbah. It says that the midrash is critical, the, the way the whole parsha starts, the, literally the first words of the parsha, Vayishlach Malachim, Vayishlach Yaakov Malachim, El Esav, Yaakov sent messengers to Esav. Midrash is critical of that. Midrash says, brings the Pasuk in Mishle, Machzik Ba'azne Kelev, Over Misabr Al Rivlo Lo, someone who seizes the heirs of a dog and he gets involved in a quarrel that's not his. In English, we say, let sleeping dogs lie. That's what this Pasuk Mishle is saying. Don't start up with the dog. The dog is minding its own business. The dog is dangerous and can cause you trouble once he, once he notices you and gets involved with you. Don't start up. Just leave him alone. Just don't, 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 don't get any ideas. Just walk by quietly. Leave the dog alone. Midrash says, Mihuzeh, who is the one who was Machzik Bazne Kelev? Zayakov. When... Back in Pashas Vayetze, Yaakov said, 
he asked Hashem for he made an edder. He said, "If Hashem will be with me, I'll I'll, I'll make I'll, I'll 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 bring I'll make this stone a matzeva and so on." Hashem said, I, "I will be with you." imcha, and and the midrash goes on. So when he came, when, happy is the, the the human being who hears such a thing from his creator. Everything Hashem gave him, everything he promised, with all the haftachos. Hashem promised him everything he asked for, and with all these promises, he begins the parsha by saying, by sending messengers to messengers to Esav. If he's worried about Esav, he starts he starts fussing with Esav and negotiating with him. Yafanem or on this, it was appropriately said, Machzik Bosnei Kelev, who's who's the one who started up with the dog? Yaakov was Yaakov was miscalculated, made an error in starting up with Esav. Hashem said it's going to be okay. Leave Esav alone. He's not bothering you. Just go your own way and don't start up with Esav. Midrash Midrash Rabbah. He's minding his own business. You're the one starting up, telling him, Hi, I'm here. I've, I've, I've arrived. I'm back from Lavan. Who asked you? Leave Esav alone. Just don't, don't start up with him. The whole story, Yaakov brought it, brought it upon himself. Midrash gives a picturesque mushal. It says, There was a, a bandit chief who was sleeping at a crossroads. Somebody walks by and wakes him up and says, get up, it's not safe to sleep here. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a dangerous place, this, this area. So the robber comes and starts thrashing him. And he, and he says, oh goodness, the, the pastor says, I guess I woke, I, I, I woke the dragon here. Nair Bishop. He says, I was sleeping and you woke me up. What do you, what do you expect is going to happen when you wake up a bandit? That's what Akash Baruch Hu told Yaakov. Esav was minding his own business. And you're sending him and you're being servile to him. You're telling him, Avdecha Yaakov. Avdecha Yaakov, he says, the, you're sending him messages, you know, who asked you to do that? Who, who, who told you to do that? And therefore, he, and therefore Yaakov is, was at fault for Yaakov ultimately didn't suffer. Ultimately, Hashem saved him and it was okay, but, but Yaakov brought this tsar on himself. The Ramban, the Ramban comments again, he says, this is everything that happened between Yaakov and Esav happens to us in our dealings with Esav. With the descendants of Esav, and we sh- we should indeed do what Yaakov did. He says, uh, in general, in terms of Yaakov's three pronged strategy: tefila, tefila, preparation for battle, and diplomacy, shdadlanus, bribes. Actually, as the case as the case was, but the that's good, that's fine. However, he says he also notes that Chazal criticized Chazal criticized Yaakov for sending the messengers. Machzik Kelev. Why start up with him? Ramban says that's a remez for us as well. He says in the second base of Mikdash, our downfall at the hands of Rome, how did it start? It started because the Jewish kings, the, the, the descendants, the, the, the successors to the Malchah base Hashmanai, they entered into uh, covenants, into treaties with Rome, as recorded in Sefer Hashmanai. They, they actually went to Rome. He says, and that was ultimately, they got Rome involved. They, they, they brought Rome in, and I think it was a civil war between Hercules and Aristobulus, and they brought in Rome to resolve the civil war. He doesn't mention that, but basically it was the Jews themselves. Had they left Rome alone, Rome might, might not have been motivated to march in and, 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 and destroy them and take over the territory of Israel. It was their fault. They invited Rome in, and that's all. That's the same mistake that Yaakov made back then, Machzik Vosnikelev. They were the ones, instead of just leaving Rome alone and hoping Rome wouldn't notice them, which would have been the prudent course of action, they brought Rome upon themselves by reaching out to Rome, and that was the, ultimately what caused, ultimately what caused the, ultimately what caused the, the Chorban of the, the, Chor, the Chorban of the second base of Mikdash. The, there's another area in the parasha, where a very interesting and somewhat provocative area where we find a number of Rishonim are judgmental, if not actually critical, some are actually critical of Yaakov, and that is Yaakov's fear of Esav. The, it says, when, when, the, when Yaakov's messengers came back and they said, he's coming, he's marching toward you with 400 men, it says, Yaakov was greatly afraid, and he was distressed. Many of the many many mafarshim deal with the question of the repetition in the phrase. Why does it say what, what, what's vayira, what's vayetzer? We'll turn to that soon. 
But in the meantime, the, the Bavli, the Talmud Bavli in Brachos, already asks a basic question. It says, why was Yaakov afraid? Hashem had promised him in last week's parasha, Hashem had assured him he would be with him and he would guard him and watch over him. So what was he worried about? Didn't Yaakov have enough bitachon, enough emunah that Hashem would take care of him? The Bavli answers, Shema Yegra Machet. The Gemara is developing this theme in detail over there that Tzadikim, even when they have promises that Hashem will be with them, they always worry. They always worry Shema Yegra Machet that they sin, they did something wrong, and that the and that, that, and that they might suffer because of that. And therefore, that's why Yaakov was worried. So the Gemara seems to be telling us that Yaakov was legitimately worried. Yaakov was a great. Uh, Yaakov was no doubt a great uh, mamin, a great Balbitachan, but nevertheless, Shema Yigramachet. Yaakov always, Yaakov had to worry. Yaakov was right, the Babli seems to say, in worrying that, that, uh, that he might have a chet. And the Babli seems to be uncritical of Yaakov. Later sources, other sources, however, seem to be less, uh, less sure that Yaakov was right. Mechilta, the Midrash, is a little bit ambiguous. Mechilta says there were four people. There were four tzaddikim who Hashem gave them a remes. Two of them accepted and took the remes to heart. Two of them did not. So one of the ones who did not was Yaakov. Hashem said, Are you listening, Yaakov? Hashem said, I'll be with you. Why are you being afraid? The Mechilta goes on and says, Yaakov said, Like the, the Gemara, it says, but the Mechilta already, at least in the middle of the Mechilta, seems to be puzzled by Yaakov, maybe critical of Yaakov. Again, it turns around to Shem Yigur Machet. Mechilta is not so clear. But there are Rishonim who say that Yaakov was not right in being afraid, that Yaakov was, was wrong in being afraid of Esau. Most famously, most importantly, the Rambam. The Rambam has a, a very provocative parak in one of his Shemona Prakim, his introduction to, to Perkei Avas, so the Rambam in, in Perik Zion is discussing Nevi'im, and he explains that a Navi has to be nearly perfect, a nearly perfect human being. He has to be n- nearly perfect in, in, in having the malas hasichlios, intellectual uh, perfections, and, and, also mal- and, and also malas hamidas. The Rambam says he has to have all the malas hasichlios, he has to be perfect, he has to have attained all levels of seichel, of, of intelligence and understanding, but only rove milos hamidos. He doesn't have to be perfect in midos. And he has to be mostly, mostly, mostly perfect in midos. As proof of this, the Rambam gives uh, about eight examples of famous Nevi'im, some of the most famous tzaddikim and Nevi'im in Tanakh, who he claims were, had, had flaws in their midos. He lists off one by one some of the greatest tzaddikim and neviim in our history, who had what he identifies as character failings, and two of them he says, Shmuel, Shmuel he says was pachad mishol. Shmuel was afraid of shol, and Yaakov shapachad mipigishas esaf. The the so the reference to Yaakov is our parsha. The reference to Shmuel is a famous pasuk, which famous, like yeshiva guys, I know the psukim when the Gemara brings them. The, the Gemara in Psachim, for example, talks about the idea that someone doing a mitzvah, shor mitzvah liyeda davarab, and people doing mitzvahs are protected. So the Gemara says, is that really true? That, that, that someone doing a mitzvah is protected? The Gemara makes an exception where it's chiyachazeka, where the danger is is is, is high, is the, the the danger is uh, there's a high risk situation, and the Gemara proves that from Shmuel. It says the story of Shmuel was that Shmuel had originally appointed Shaul Hamelach at Hashem's command when Shaul behaved incorrectly with Amalek, didn't listen to Hashem. Hashem he lost Hashem's favor, and Hashem told Shmuel go appoint Ben Yishai, and he appointed David Hamelach. When Shmuel was told that he was supposed to appoint Ben Yishai, Shmuel said, Shmuel told Hashem, I can't do that. How can I go? What I'm doing is treason. Appointing another king is treason. Shaul's going to kill me if he finds out. How can I go? So Hashem said, okay, take a calf, you'll have a cover story, you'll say you're going to bring a carbon, you'll say you bring it. So you'll, you'll have, uh, you'll engage in subterfuge, you'll have a cover story while you're going, Shaul won't, won't know what you're doing. 
So the Bavli holds this up, again, apparently, just like with Yaakov, as, as saying that he did correctly. Just like with Yaakov, the Bavli said, the Gemara and Bracha said, that even though Hashem promised he would be with Yaakov, Shem Yegrim Achet, with Shmuel, even though Shluchim Mitzvah and Nizok, and Hashem said, go, but Shmuel was right in saying, how can I go? It's, 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 a, it's a dangerous thing to do. It, it, it doesn't make sense for me to do that. Hashem said, you're right, you take, take an Eglas Bakr. The Rambam, though, says these were failings in their character, Shmuel was Pachan Mishol, Yaakov Shepachan Mipigishas Esav, Elu Hamidos, Chayotze Bahen. These examples of Midos, these are, of failings in Midos, these are all Mechitos, Ben Hashem Yitzbarak, and the Nevi'im. And, and, and therefore, that, that's what we mean that Moshe had the highest level of Nevua, his Midos were the, were the most perfect. But other Nevi'im were not always perfect, and the Nevi'im had these various failings, including Shmuel and Yaakov, who, who, uh, who experienced fear, who, who gave in to fear. Even though they, even though apparently a uh, the, the, the ideal the ideal person, ideally they should not have, have been afraid. The Radak, so the people people have all kinds. Achron have suggested all kinds of ways to reconcile the Raman with the Gemara. Wasserman, I think I saw quoted as saying that in terms of Hashem, that there were two things. In terms of Hashem's havtacha, Hashem had given a specific havtacha to Yaakov. That, n- 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 that, no matter how fearful Yaakov could have been, he surely was enough of a maimon to not be afraid if Hashem had explicitly promised him. That was Shem Yigrim And the Rambam means, even if he thought Shem Yigrim he still should have had bitachon that Hashem would take care of him, like anybody, like any of us can have bitachon. And that, uh, the Rambam says, was a failing. But whatever it is, the, whatever the Gemara means, the Rambam says clearly that, that there was some failing on Yaakov's part, that he, he had less than perfect midos, in that he was afraid of Esau. There's a fascinating one line in the Radak. The Radak has literally one word which, which alludes to something very, very fascinating about Chumash, about Yaakov, which I've never seen anyone else pick up on. The Radak is going on a Pasuk later in this week's Pasha, in the story, in, in, at, the, at the conclusion of the story of Shechem. So Shechem, the person, abused Dina. Yaakov's son, Shimon and, led by Shimon and Levi, they, they plotted revenge. They convinced them all to do bris milah, and when they were enervated by the bris milah, they massacred the entire city. Yaakov was not happy with what they had done, not because, at least according to the, the, what the Pasuk says, not because the, he thought they were morally wrong. This, this, we showed him discuss extensively what their halachic moral justification for massacring the whole city was, just because one man had sinned, many different explanations, but whatever, whatever it was, Yaakov does not express uh, a moral objection to what they had done. Yaakov says, you, uh, you have discomposed me, making me odious. Yaakov made a, made a military and political objection. He says, you have, uh, we are few in number, they, they will gather against us, they'll smite us, they'll destroy us. Yaakov said, we don't have the numbers to, to defend this. And you put us in an impossible position. When, when Shem's friends get together and counterattack, we, how can we fight back? Shimon and Levi said, But look what they did to our sister. So what's the answer? Yaakov wasn't saying that, that they were morally unjustified. Yaakov was saying, it's an unfortunate fact. In the real world, uh, sometimes, the, 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 sometimes we don't have the, the strength and the numbers to, to do what we want. So what was their answer? Look what they did to our sister. I, I understand that, but at the end of the day, we can't withstand a, uh, a joint attack by the rest of the inhabitants of Eretz Canaan. So the the Radak. So we, we, there are many different shatim explaining that uh, explaining that that dialogue. I always like to talk about the Barbanel, who says that it was a matter of honor. That uh, the Barbanel takes the attitude that honor is more important than life, and that they were saying we might die for it, but it's it's worth dying for to uphold our honor. There are many other shatim as well, but the Radak has the following comment. He says. The Yaakov, explaining the difference in perspective between attitude between Yaakov and his sons, he says, Yaakov was afraid, as was his custom. Ubanov, his son, Shimon and Levi, they were brave and bold, to avenge the stain on their, on their honor. We're told one word in Arishon contains great chachma. What does the word Kiminhago mean? The word Kiminhago alludes to something I've never really seen anyone pick up on. People talk about the Midah of Yaakov, Yaakov Ishtam, the Midah of Emes, Torah. If you look at Pshutosh Mikra, what is the Midah of Yaakov? What is the, the characteristic that Yaakov is, is, is described with, described as having a number of times, a remarkable number of times in Chumash Bereshis? 
Yaakov is afraid. Yaakov is scared of things. It begins in, it begins in Parshas Toldos, that when, when, when Rivka urges Yaakov to snatch the brachos away from his brother, so Yaakov is worried. Yaakov says, Yaakov says, well, what if Yaakov catches me? Maybe he'll catch me and, and reveal my deception. So first Yaakov is worried about getting caught, uh, he's worried about getting caught by his father Yitzchak. In, in the beginning of Parshat Vayetze, he's, he's heading down to, uh, to Padan Aram, to Haran. Yaakov is worried about, uh, Yaakov is, uh, he davened, he, says, he doesn't say he's worried, he says, please take care of him. We don't find the others as much are davening to Hashem to take care of them, to protect them. Later in Parshat Vayetze, Yaakov explicitly says he was afraid. He, when, when he runs away from Lavan, and Lavan catches up and says, why did you do this? Why did you... Uh, why did you run away? Why didn't you tell me you were going? Yaakov said, I was afraid. I was afraid you would take my you would take your daughters back. Yaakov says he was afraid. Beginning of Pashas Vayishlach, he's Bayira Yakamod Vayetzilo. Later in Pashas Vayishlach, the story of Shem, Achartimosi, we just read, he's afraid of the retaliation from Eretz Canaan. Beginning of Pashas Vayeshev. He sends he sends the, the Shvatim are tending the sheep in Shem and Yaakov tells Yosef, go down and, and check on them. He's worried, Madrashim say he was worried that uh, Shem the Shem might have had Madrashim say Shem might have had uh, enemies, uh, allies of Shem who might have attacked the brothers. He was worried about the he was worried about the safety of the brothers. Later when when when, when Yosef demands they bring Binyamin down and, and, and they ask Yaakov to give them Binyamin, Yaakov doesn't want, he says he's he's the only one left from his mother, Pendikranu Asan Baderech and and uh, he, maybe he's going to die. Yaakov consistently worries about things. Throughout Barashas, Yaakov is always worried. And that's what the Radak is obviously alluding to. The Radak says that when Yaakov was worried about the retaliation of the friends of Shem, Yaakov, Yaakov worried. That's what Yaakov did. Yaakov was worried about things. His sons were braver, but Yaakov was, uh, was, was nervous, was anxious. Yaakov always, Radak doesn't say he was wrong. He's not critical of him necessarily. But he says, you, you put this in context, that Yaakov's worry was characteristic of him. Yaakov was always worried about things. The, the Balitosis say something very interesting, and a number of the commentaries of the Balitosis al they say, we mentioned before, Vayira Yaakov Ma'od Vayetzirlo. It says that Yaakov was afraid and he was distressed. What's the, what's the, the, the repetition? So the, Rashi has a famous pshat, Vayira, that, that he was afraid that to Midrash, Vayira Shema Yeharik, he was afraid that he would be killed. Vayetzirlo, maybe he'll have to kill others. Tachuma, Breshis Rabbas, he was afraid either way. He was afraid of, uh, he was afraid of, um, he was afraid of being killed. He was afraid of having to kill, having to kill his brother. Other Rishonim have other pshatim. The Balitosis bring a pshat, Rav Eliyaf HaKohen they bring from, that he was afraid, and then he was upset at himself for being afraid. He said to himself, Hashem promised me, why am I afraid? In other words, like the Rambam, that, that he, felt it was, he himself felt it was a failure. It's not just the Rambam judging him, he judged himself, according to the Rabbi Eliyav. He said, why am I afraid? Hashem said, Hashem said that, uh, that he'll watch me. Why don't I have enough bitachon? So Yaakov himself was acknowledging, according to this pshat, that, he, that, that, that his fear was unjustified. And that, he should, and that he was telling himself, I should be braver, I should be, I should be less afraid. The other Balitos is bringing the pshat of Hashem uh, Others bring, we, as we discussed a couple of weeks ago, others bring that there was an issue with Kibbut Aveim, that he was worried, the Midrashim say, that he was worried Esav had certain zechuyos that he didn't have, Esav had the zechus of fulfilling the mitzvah of Kibbut Aveim, the zechus of living in Eretz Yisrael, that's what he was worried about. Okay. One, but one final pshat, also that, that's also critical of Yaakov, another pshat in the Balitosis that's critical of Yaakov, is that, is that the... When, when, when Yaakov sent the messengers to Esav, and he said, he, he instructed them, he instructed them as to what they should say, and he said that, uh, when, 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 that, that when the messenger, that he, when, he, when he sent, when he sent, after the messengers, when, when, when he sent the gift, when he sent the, that, that when he sent the gift to Esav, all the animals, he said, when Esav asks you, who are you, what are you doing, what's all this stuff, you should tell him that it's a mincha, and Yaakov is following. So the Balitosis bring a pshat 
This was actually misdirection. It was deception. Yaakov planned on making a run for it, that, that he would send Esau all the animals and, and assure Esau that Yaakov was on his way to meet him. So Esau would, would, uh, would not pursue him, would say, he's coming, he's walking right into my lap. In the meantime, Yaakov would run for it and, uh, and, 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 and head off in a different direction. I'm not sure where he sees all that on the Pesukim, but he says that Yaakov actually planned on misdirecting Esau and making a run for it. The Malach stopped him. I assume he means the fight at the Yabok, at the Bayavik Yishimo. Ya- Yaakov's plans were, were to, to, to flee were thwarted by his encounter with the Malach. And the Balitosa say, that's why Yaakov suffered. Yeah, I guess he means the suffering of the, the Gidanasha, where he was struck by the Malach, because it was a moral failing. Ya- Hashem had promised he would take care of him. Why are you running away? So again, criti- critical of Yaakov for, for not relying on Hashem's Haftacha. Hashem said, I'll take care of you. Who, who asked you to run away? Again, the, the Mepharshim in general, as far as I know, are not critical of Yaakov for his mincha, for his, uh, for his preparing for war. All his preparations are, are great lessons of Ishtadlis that we learn, that a person should always do whatever he can to secure the best possible outcome for himself. But so I don't know why running away was any was any less justified than the other efforts he made. Again, we mentioned before that some are critical of him for Maxik Bosnia Kelev, that he shouldn't have started up in the first place. But um, so I'm not sure why why the Balitosis think that running away was improper. Do they think everything he did was improper? The the Sefer Akedas Yitzchak, Yitzchak Arama, has a has a lengthy essay on this Pasha, basically proving to you and and, and insisting and asserting that the, the way of the Torah is not fatalism, that the Torah wants us to do whatever we can to uh, to ensure our safety, to ensure the best possible outcome in tough situations. You learn this from Yaakov, that Yaakov did everything he could to, uh, to, to, to keep himself as safe as he could from Esav. After going on like this for pages, he then takes issue with the Ramban. The Ramban has a, a famous and controversial idea in the Ramban says that even though he himself was a physician, he says, ideally, when a Jew is sick, he should not seek medical treatment. He should go to the Navi and find out the spiritual root of his malady. And it's only if people are not on that madrega and they go to doctors, the Torah said, It's a bedievet. It's not the ideal solution. Ideally, a person should not be trying to treat the symptom, so to speak. The, the physical disease is the symptom. The real underlying root cause is a spiritual failing he has. And treating the disease is really missing the point. He should be, he should be trying to find out what, 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 he, what his shortcomings are in Hashem's eyes and rectifying his, his failings. So, Bakhranim tell us that even if we accept the Ramban, it's not meant for people like us in our generation. Rambam seems to disagree. The Rambam says the, 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 there's a famous and very v- remarkably vehement Rambam. Mishnah, the Mishnah of the Bryson, Sachem says that Chizkiah did three things, six things, three of which Chazal approved, approved of, three of which they did not. One of the things they, they did approve of was it says he, he was Gones, he, he got rid of something called Sefer HaRefuos, the book of Refuos, the book of cures. What is the Sefer HaRefuos and why did he get rid of it? So the Rambam says it had to do with poisons or other types of other types of techniques that are that are not that are that are that are occult that are not according to the Torah. It was useful as an academic works, and Hadron had to know about these things. Chum had to know about these things. It was never meant to be used practically. Once people began to use it practically, Chizkiah had to get rid of it. The Rambam says, "I'm telling you this because there's another pshat that that, that, that I've heard about this Mishnah or this Brisa, which is a terrible pernicious pshat." And I want to make sure that you're not uh, going to learn that way. And that is, he says, the Sefer Refus was simply a book of medical advice, of medical wisdom. And sounds nice. What's wrong with that? The problem was, according to this chat, that people, when they got sick, instead of going to, instead of doing tshuva and having a bitachan that Hashem would take care of them, they would simply open the book and diagnose their, their conditions and cure themselves. And there wasn't any need for a spiritual reaction to illness. It was a lack of bitachan. And Chizkiah thought that was wrong. Rambam says, this Pshat is so stupid, he says. He says, he says, Re'eh, kama mehagnus, v'hadofi, v'hasheker, the hevel in this Pshat, that, uh, that even to attribute this to an ordinary person would be uh, wrong, to attribute such a Pshat to Chizkiah, a great man like Chizkiah, such 
utter nonsense, he says. That's completely against the Torah. Just like when a person is hungry and he eats bread, there's no lack of bitachon. Hashem put us in a world with laws of nature, and we're supposed to act according to the laws of nature. With bitachon, that Hashem is the one providing us the bread, and Hashem is the with understanding that it all comes from Hashem, and we owe Hashem thanks for everything. And the same thing applies to medical treatment. That Hashem gave us the the ability to understand medical science and to act accordingly. There's no, there's no lack of bitachon and, and, and spiritual, spiritual b'di'evon in doing that. He says, this pshat is ridiculous, he says. So, Rambam seems to be disagreeing with the Ramban, Rav Dessler, some people try to reconcile the two, but in any event, the Akedah, the Akedah Yitzchak says, on our Pasha, he says, you see how the Torah makes a great point out of explaining all of Yaakov's Derek HaTeva preparations, and you, you clearly see the Ramban's attitude is not correct, he says, me Yishmaelav badavar hazeh, Ramban is just not right, he says, this is not the attitude of the Torah, of course we recognize everything comes from Hashem, of course a person is supposed to do tshuva and is supposed to understand that, 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 that if he's on a high enough madrega, Hashem will take care of him. But that doesn't mean that a person doesn't have to act and to act in accordance with, uh, with, with the way the world works. So I don't know why the Balitosis are saying that Yaakov's running away was somehow a uh, failing, maybe because Hashem explicitly promised him. But in any event, we find a number of Rishonim here, from one perspective or another, are judgmental or critical of Yaakov for, for being afraid, for running away. Rambam says... It was just a failing without explaining really why. Radak says it was characteristic of Yaakov to be afraid. Rabbi Aliyah of HaKohen says Yaakov himself felt bad that he was afraid. And this other pshat of the Balitosis is that Yaakov suffered by being struck by the Malach because it was a, it was a lack of bitachon, it was a lack of uh, accepting Hashem's promise when he tried to run away, which isn't even mentioned explicitly in the Psukim. He was punished by, by suffering, uh, suffering the blow from the Malach. Kliyakar Kliyakar says, uh, all the Mepharshim struggle, not successfully, he says, to explain why Yaakov was afraid, Hashem had promised him. So he also works with a, with a, with a sort of idea of Shema Yigra Machet, but he, he brings up Shad, he says that's not really sufficient, he says, because, because it was, uh, he says, it was just recently when he left Lavan, Hashem said, go back, and uh, the end of Pashas Vayetzeh, when Hashem told him to when Hashem told him to go back to the Territ Israel. So 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 Yaakov said Yaakov said that the Ata Kum Hashem apparently was implying that, that he was still uh, that, that he was still the Yaakov was still doing well. He, he, he did a chait in that limited amount of time. So the Kliyakra says, yeah, he did. He says, you know what his chait was? Chazal talk about Hanufa. Hanufa is a terrible thing. I don't know how to translate Hanufa directly into English. It's sometimes translated as flattery. It's not just flattery. It often implies flattery where you cover up or paper over wrongdoing or chait. You praise a Russia and overlook his uh, his riches, or you, you you flatter someone for, for, for doing because he's powerful and influential and rich, and you you, you cover up things or or even, or even praise things that are actually wrong. The, he, he brings a Gemara in Sota. Anyone who flatters his friend will end up falling into his uh, falling into his hands. The Gemara in Sota, I believe, is discussing Hanufa. I learned this with my son recently, in the context of a Mishnah. The Mishnah is discussing Hakel, the Hakel ceremony in the eighth year, the year after Shemitah. And so the Melech reads a, a big portion of Chumash Dvarim. So the Mishnah relates that when Agrippas, when, the, when King Agrippas, who was one of the Herodian kings after the Hashmanaim, he, he was not originally Jewish. He, was originally, he originally came from Rome. When he, when he got to the Pasha of Som Tasmalech Melech, Mikarabachecha Tasmalech Melech, the can make it very clear that someone who is not a natural-born citizen, who is not uh, a Jew by birth, is not eligible to be the king, he began to cry. Zalgoin of Demos. He felt, he felt bad. He felt he was not really a legitimate king. The people told him, Agrippas, Achinuata, 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 you're our brother, don't worry. And Chazal say, at that time, the, the decree of destruction of Korban was sealed for the Jewish people because they, 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 of the, they were going to be destroyed because they flattered Agrippas. They were machnif Agrippas. There's a whole discussion that we showed him there. Was he Imam Yisrael? Did he really have a proper Jewish lineage? In which case, why was it Hanufa? He was right. They were right. He was a Chinu. Did he not have Imam Yisrael? Exactly what the, what the details of the story were. But somehow they were guilty of Hanufa. They were guilty of 
of, you know, we, we use slang terms. I, I don't have a good English translation of Hanufa. The slang terms fit it better, kissing up or sucking up to someone, especially if he's a Russia. So the Kliyakr says, that was Yaakov's chet. When he said, Koamar Avdecha Yaakov, he, 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 he talked in a servile way, we might think it just prudence, uh, flatter Esav, uh, appeal to his ego, make him feel good, and maybe he'll leave you alone. It was Hanufa. Esav was not his master, he, was not, he, he did not deserve to be a servant of Esav, and that was Hanufa. That, 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 was, that, that, that was not appropriate. He brings the Chazal that say, Maxik Kelev, that Esav is minding his own business, but he reads this into the Chazal. It wasn't just uh, a tactical mistake that he started up with Esav. It was Hanufa. That it was Hanufa Shehechnef Russia. That was his chait. That was the chait that Yaakov said. But Yiru Yechmei Esav, he says, oh, look at the way I just talked to Esav. That wasn't really the right thing to do after all. So just like the Balitosa said, he, he realized his own mistake in running away from, uh, either he realized his mistake in being afraid, or he realized his mistake that, uh, that running away from Esav. This was his mistake. His mistake was in, in being Machnef Esav, that's why he was afraid, and the, that's why he was afraid, and, uh, and, uh, and that's a failing, apparently, that the Kliyakr says that, that, that we can see in Yaakov. I want to just discuss briefly one final point, not really connected to the Pasha, but we're talking about the, the lessons that Chazal learned from Yaakov, how to deal with Esav, and of course, we can learn lessons from Chazal, how to deal with Esav, Nyan Dioma, kind of. There's a very interesting little Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, Tanis. It says that there was once an episode that occurred that the, the Malchus, Rome apparently, made anti, anti-Jewish regulations. Shloyaska B'Torah, they can't study Torah. Shloyamulu Espenayim, no bris mila. Shishchalu Shabbosos, they have to desecrate the Shabbos. Terrible decrees, Soviet Russia. You can't, you can't, keep, you can't, keep, you can't keep Torah. What did Yehuda ben Shemua and his colleagues do? They consulted a matronisa, a noblewoman, a matron. They consulted some very well-connected matronisa that all the Gidole Rome frequented her. They, they, she was welcome. She, she knew exactly what, how politics worked, how the, how the Roman elites thought and, and, and how, the, how things worked in Rome. They asked her, what should we do? Give us advice. How can we avert this gzera? She told them, you have to have a rally. March on Washington. You have to march on Rome. Go have a hafkana, go have a demonstration at night. Why at night? But go have a demonstration at night. They did that. They went, they had a demonstration at night. What did they do? They appealed to the better nature of the Romans. They said, fraternal feeling. Aren't we your brothers? We have the same father. Don't we have the same mother? Why are we different from every other nation that you're making terrible xeris against us? And it worked. The Romans were not known for their compassion and empathy and uh, religious tolerance, but somehow this worked. This, this Roman matron was, apparently she, she, she knew her business. Uh, it worked. The Romans had enough, enough decency left, enough... Uh, I'm not sure, again, I'm not sure what they were thinking originally when they made these xeris. They, they, they surely didn't think the Jews would be pleased by these xeris. I'm not sure what, what this protest accomplished, but it did. Protests sometimes work. The Romans backed down. They annulled the Xerus, and they made that day into a Yom Tov. So this was a great debate in the 20th century in the movement for Soviet Jewry about rallies and demonstrations, whether this was a, an appropriate step to take. There were famous rallies in 87, and, uh, that, that marches and rallies, and Rabbanim, Poskim, Gedoli Torah discussed whether this is the right thing to do. The the traditional Rabbanim, people like Ramosha Feinstein, Rapinchas Taitz, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, were generally against these types of rallies. But again, if you look at the reasons they gave, they, the reasons they gave weren't really hashkafic and religious reasons. The reasons they gave were pragmatic. They did not think these rallies would be a good idea. So, for example, there was a... There was a... Uh, there was a Ramosha Feinstein and the Gudas Rabbanim issued a proclamation. They said, someone, someone said, we've changed our mind. I forget what year this was, but someone said, we've changed our mind. So, Ramosha said, we have not. We still believe this, this rally is wrong. And they explained, but it was very different from the opposition that we, that we saw in today's rallies. It wasn't religious and ashkafic. It was much more pragmatic. They, they, they said, Ramosha and the Rabbanim wrote, Agudas Rabbanim 
is uh, we, we, we stand by our, our original position that was established by the Gedolei Hadar, including led by Rav Aaron Cutler, the Gedolei Eretz Yisrael, not to get involved in these various tactics. People think they'll help the Russian Jews. And they, and they write that uh, even though all these things are, are for the benefit of the Jews, we cannot agree because these things that are likely to cause dangerous consequences. That was their objection. That we don't know that this is, uh, it might feel good to do this, but we don't know this is actually going to benefit the Jews in Russia. It might actually make the Russians crack down and, and, and take their anger out on them. We're all worried about the Jews of Russia, and whatever we can do, we'll do. We don't know this is the right thing to do. Fine. There was a, there was a major academic essay by a scholar named Adam Furziger. Outside the shul, American-Soviet Jewry movement and the rise of solidarity orthodoxy, he talks about, uh, he analyzes in detail the positions of a number of the rabbinic leaders, orthodox rabbinic leaders of that period to the rallies, and he points out, Rav Taitz, the Rebbe, were, were against the Moshe. Uh, in, in, well, in general, the, 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 old, the old school European rabbinim were against these demonstrations. He writes that Ramosha in 1968, Ramosha gave a letter to be read at the rally by his son-in-law, by Ramosha Tendler, that a message of support. He did that, but in general, they uh, in general they they did not uh, the, the traditional rabbanim did not approve of these rallies. But again, the objections were pragmatic, not not hashkafic and religious. In uh, in seventy one, apparently seventy seventy one, the Moetzis Gedolei Torah, the leaders of Agudas Yisrael, they write representations to alleviate the plight of Russian Jewry, which are aggressive and provocative, can only harm and aggravate the situation. And therefore, they are not participating in the general demonstrations. It's not able to control the tone or the character of these gatherings. So the issue was, was very much not a hashkafic issue. The issue was they thought that the attitude, you know, the bellicose and demanding, that, that was not the right attitude to, uh, it was not likely to have a, uh, was not likely to have uh, the desired effect. They, 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 had other, they had their own rally, which was a, a tone of fila. They encouraged people to do telegrams and other things. But uh, that, that was the issue. Furziger writes that the that the um, among the Rabbanim who took various positions, he said, he, he, his opinion is that the ones who lived under communism and saw what communism was, they saw the ruthlessness and the the hardness and the the, the lack of you know, the lack of empathy in communists. They were the ones who, uh, who 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 were very worried about demonstrations. They thought the Russians are such are so are so hard and cold and ruthless that provoking them is not going to have the desired effect. They weren't like the Romans who said, uh, oh, you're right, we are your brother, we share the same mother, we share the same father, we're going to, uh, we're going to give in. And they thought the communists are, are just hopeless. Malcolm Honline says about Ramosha that he couldn't convince Ramosha to support the rally. He says, one could not convince him that Hitler was worse than Stalin because he had lived under Stalin. He knew who Stalin was. Ramosha knew what Stalin was. He knows that telling Stalin, please, please, have Rachmanus, you know, or, or demanding, at least, that telling Stalin, how can you do this? It's not right. And, you, know, you can't do this. Wasn't going to have the desired effect. Lubavitcher similarly, that the... There were some exceptions. of Aaron Lichtenstein, the Salvatic son-in-law, was, was on the SSSJ board, attended a number of rallies. Or Salvatic himself, though, never... Salvatic, the leader of modern orthodoxy, never came out and supported the rallies. According to some accounts in private conversations, he later expressed regret for not supporting the protest movements, but Rav Salvechik never, never publicly supported it. And again, as a, as a European Rav, he, uh, he, didn't, uh, he, he, he didn't think that that was the, that apparently did not think that was the right tactic. Rav Salvechik said they should consult experts, which is characteristic for Rav Salvechik. He, 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 just like the Gemara said, that they consulted the Matronisa, of Salvechik in general, when it comes to security questions, military questions in Israel, he, he, was, he was apparently well known to be of the position, you can't decide on Torah principle, you have to know the facts first. The facts are, you have to, you have to consult the military experts to tell you what the facts are. But uh, j- just briefly mention one very interesting tshuva on the topic, of Yehud Herzl Henkin and Bnei Banim, Chanukah Tavshin Memches. So this was 87. This was the, the, the March on Washington, the, 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 the Freedom Sunday, the march and rally in Washington for Soviet Jewry, the big, big march. Someone asked him, Is, you know, sh- should we, from Jews, should we join, should we support this? He said, we know the Gedolim previously were opposed to these types of demonstrations. So Rabbi Hankin wrote, he says, look, he says, demonstrations in principle 
are very much in the spirit of the Torah. The Gemara talks about it. You can't argue that demonstrations are fundamentally not a Torah thing because the Gemara talks about one. The only question is, what, what are the details? Of it? What, what kind of demonstration? Is this, is, this, is this one consistent with the Torah? He actually felt that it was. He felt it's, it, it, it exactly matches the one in the Torah. We're complaining about evil decrees that prevent the practice of religion. We're appealing to their humanity, and that's, uh, that's exactly what we're doing, what the Gemara did. He says, you're telling me the Gedolim were against? He says, that was then. This is now, he says, the, he says that the, he says that the, he, he says that the, it's true that, that, that the Gedolim said it was Usser or Moshe Feinstein. He says, or Salvechik maybe said that once. He says, he says look, demonstrations are, are, are from a Gemara. He says, the only question is the details, the particular details of, of a particular demonstration. It's not the same thing that, that it was 10 years ago or a long time ago, he says. This fellow heard a rumor that in 81, Ramosha uh, withdrew his opposition. But um, he says that the, the Porter Yaakov is saying that, uh, that, that the ones in the past, based on the conditions in Russia back then, he was opposed to, not the, not the modern ones, he says. If things change, there's no isser. My, my grandfather, he says, Rabbi Yosef Eliohenkin, was always opposed to demonstrations. But 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 the but he said in Yanni Matthias and in fact based questions you can't just rely on the Gedolim of previous generations because the facts change. And then Rafenkin has a great line: the grandson he says Gedolim know how to change their mind. He says Kitanim, little people he says they have no das they they they, they can't change their mind they, they they just they're just rigid and inflexible. It's a famous expression, a famous English expression: a foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of small minds. That the people are just who don't think are just rigid and inflexible. I think everything is the same. That's not chachma. That, that that's not sophistication. You understand? I think the world is complicated and things change. And just because the gedolim were against it then, especially if it was only a technical and fact-based uh, opposition, it may not apply today. So Rabbi Hudor Lankin was very much in favor of this demonstration. It's a chiyav after echa kamocha, and ashrei are those who are osik in this. Uh, incidentally, Rav Henkin mentions in this tshuva, Yudert Lankin mentions, why at night? He says, why do they have demonstrations at night? He says, first of all, they don't want to be identified, he says, that, the, that, 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 they, that they don't want to come to danger if the Romans crack down. They don't want to be caught, so, so they were, uh, their identities were safer at night. Today, he says, you have a similar thing. We're demonstrating in the U.S. We're not in danger of getting in trouble here in the U.S., or he says, because it was a good time, people are off from work, he says, it's, it's quiet, it's, uh, it's people are off from work, they have time to come to demonstrations, it's good, that's what we're doing, that's why the Freedom Sunday was on Sunday, people are off from work. So everything was, it was very much inconsistent with, uh, with the demonstrations of the Gemara. So again, we, we don't know the Yaakov made a demonstration, but the, just like the Gemara says that, 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 that the Chum of its time learned from Yaakov, we learned from the Gemara, and this Gemara is held up as being the as being the source of the, the paradigm for having a demonstration to, you know, to persuade a potentially hostile but hopefully friendly, uh, or even already hostile, to change it into friendliness, to change a government, change, uh, to change a powerful, uh, a powerful uh, nation to be more favorable toward the, toward the Jews. Obviously, in the recent demonstration, a number of contemporary Gedolim were opposed to it, Complicated topic for another time, maybe, but uh, but uh, but but in general, the, the the classic opposition, to the extent that I'm aware of it, in the 20th century, to demonstrations, was much more pragmatic than ideological. That they didn't think that demonstrations would have the desired effect. They thought, on the contrary, it would backfire. It would cause the Russians to crack down on the Jews. And review George Lincoln said, if, if that's the concern, it depends on the depends on the facts, and, and the facts can easily change. And then uh, there is no permanent, absolute ban on demonstrations.